You always know. Uh, as I said uh, Wednesday, boy, I, I just had something special laid on my heart that God showed me, and I've been excited since then uh, to share it with you. Because I believe this morning that this uh, is, I believe it's all good, don't get me wrong, but, but, but what God spoke in my heart this week, I, I sincerely believe it will, it will help and it will bless. And uh, I just hope that you uh, receive the word this morning and it helps you the way it helped me. So if you got a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse number 19 is where we will begin reading at. 9 and 19. Notice with me, if you got your spot, I'd like for you to say amen. Uh, If you don't, say oh me. All right, look what the Bible says here. For though... I be free from all men, yet have I myself, have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that uh, I might gain the Jews. Under the law that I might gain them under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak, and I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for magistry is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm interested in the latter part of verse 27 there. I want you to look at that again and, and read it with me this morning. He said that when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This morning, I want to preach on this topic that I may not become a castaway. That I may not become a castaway. Let's bow for a word of prayer this morning. Father, Lord in heaven, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this time and this opportunity for these folks to preach to this morning. God, for the good gifts and the perfect gifts that come from heaven. Lord, the things that you do that we don't deserve. But God, as we take part in this hour of preaching and prayer and worship, God, I ask you, God, that you just speak to hearts. God, I'm incapable, and this sermon will be of no use if the Holy Spirit doesn't do something. God, I'm in need of your presence and your power. I'm in need of help. But Lord, I know you've laid this heart, just laid this on my heart strong and heavy for a reason, and I'm just dependent on you. God, do your work. I'll do what you've called me to do, the best of my ability. In Jesus' name we do humbly pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. That I may not become a castaway. 
that I may not become a castaway. A castaway. Paul, in our text this morning, has been a Christian for quite some time. He's conquered great many problems in his life. He struggled with the meaning of life. Paul had gone on to do lots of wonderful things for the Lord. He had founded churches. He had taken the gospel to new places. And here he is writing a letter of profound wisdom to other Christians. Paul had a lot of things to which he could easily point and say, Look what I have done for God. Look at what a good life I have lived. Look at what a good life I have led. I don't imagine this morning that there would be any of us here that would want to put our lives up against Paul's and endure the comparisons as a Christian. And yet, what I find so interesting this morning is after all of the accomplishments, after all that Paul has done, Paul is still talking about being a castaway. You say, preacher, I don't understand. Paul is referring to him. He's not just writing to you and me. Paul is referring to him here in the Scriptures. Paul's still talking about the possibility of being a castaway. That word that he uses, it means about being a disappointment to his Lord. He's concerned that all the profound work that he's done in the name of Jesus, he's concerned at the end of it, God may find him to be a disappointment. You can sense in his heart right here that there is anxiety. You can sense the concern that he has for his very own soul. Notice with me, Paul is talking about being disappointed or disqualification. Those are the words in which that castaway we get our reference from today is disqualified or disappointing. So what Paul says is, I do some things in order that when I get to the end of my race, because we've all got a race to run, he says, even after I have preached to you, that I will not stand before a holy God and be disqualified from the race that I will not stand before Him and Him look down on me and say, boy, I'm pretty disappointed in the race that you ran. I knew it was going to be quiet. Paul is sensing what many today need a sense of that no matter how much you do, that does not make us special. 
that doesn't make us above reproach. It, it doesn't make us untouchable. This is the very same Paul that is the author of two-thirds of the New Testament Bible. This is the same Paul that has written 13 of its books, uh, 14 if you count the book of Hebrews. This is the same Paul physically, but not spiritually, that was on uh, the Damascus Road when God blinded him uh, and brought salvation to him. This is the same Paul physically uh, that escaped the assassination attempt uh, in Damascus while he was visits the apostles. Then he goes to Taurus, but that is not him spiritually right here. This is Paul that went on not one journey, not two journeys, but three journeys uh, on missionary trips uh, so that churches could be established, so that people could come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the same Paul that was imprisoned uh, in Judea. This was the same Paul that was, took a voyage over to Rome. And this is the same Paul that while he was in Rome, he made the jailhouse rock when him and Silas at the midnight hour cried out to God. And the, the Bible said the jailer didn't know what was going on. This is the same Paul that's going to give his life as a martyr. Understand, this is the same Paul physically, but spiritually, this is not the same Paul. This is Paul that was called up by God and didn't know where he was at. The Bible said Paul didn't know if he was in the body or outside of the body. He could not tell you. All he knew was God took him somewhere and showed him some things he had never seen before. This is that Paul physically, but spiritually, this is not that Paul. What I'm trying to get across this morning is that Paul was a man of God. This wasn't no sissy. This wasn't no sissy preacher like we've got today that every time somebody comes up with their feelings hurt, he changes the message, he changes the subject, he pats them on the back. No, Paul's not no sissy preacher. He girded up his loins. He stood toe to toe. He declared the Word of God. He declared there's victory in Jesus' name. Paul was a man. He didn't fold up. Every time some trouble come up to him, he didn't fold up. He wasn't willing to compromise on what God has said. He didn't care who feelings got hurt. He isn't concerned about having the biggest church in the community. He's not concerned about having the best money can buy. No, no. This is a preacher who knows the power of God, has experienced the grace of God, and is called to proclaim the goodness of God to all nations. That one said became all things to all people in order that some might be saved. This is a man whose desire was to see people to come to Jesus. Paul is a man. He didn't fold up. Every time some snowflake got their feelings hurt, He didn't fold up and quit every time things didn't go his way. He didn't fold up when the Romans guards threw him in the jail. He didn't throw he didn't fold up when they threw rocks at him and stoned him and left him for dead. He didn't fold up when his own brethren. You know the story there. He said, don't send Mark. Bless God, last time we went somewhere together, I couldn't count on him to do nothing. He didn't fold up. Paul 
was a man. He stood toe-to-toe with the enemy. He stood toe-to-toe with those that wanted him dead. He stood toe-to-toe with the kings and emperors. He stood there and wouldn't back down. Uh, Physically, this is Paul, but spiritually, he's changed. Notice with me, he's worried that just maybe there's a possibility that at the end of my journey, if I don't do some things, that I myself is going to stand before God and I'm going to be a castaway. Let me tell you this morning, we fight a real devil. A devil that is not going to quit. He may be defeated. But until Jesus comes back, as long as you and I have breath and we're alive on this planet, He's going to keep coming at you with everything that He has. He may change His method, but listen to me, honey. He's going to keep coming at you. He's going to keep throwing things at you. He's going to keep fishing. He's going to keep trying. He's going to keep tempting. He's going to keep you going through trials. Boy, and if you don't believe me, watch this. There was times in this country where there were dry counties. Well, you know, those things where alcohol couldn't be county uh, keep all the beer and liquor out but the devil slipped in uh, on the way of bootleggers and now all of a sudden you can't find it nowhere there was a time that you walked inside of a store and they had these little magazine racks and on those little magazine racks they were Magazines that should not have been on those racks. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. But they were bad magazines. We stopped a lot of things. But now we fight a different battle. We're not fighting bootleggers anymore. Now we're fighting the fact that every restaurant in America almost uh, has a bar in it. Uh, We're not fighting the bootleggers no more. Hey, we're not fighting magazine racks no more. Now we're fighting a a device uh, that you can get uh, anything and see anything you want to see at the very click of a button. That's what we're fighting now. I'm telling you, the devil is real and he's going to keep coming. You know, we used to fight gossip in the church. We used to worry as preachers about cliques starting to form. And we used to look out there and you could see four or five gathering. And if you knew one of them was a troublemaker, you knew you had to split that up quick. We don't fight that no more. Now we fight Facebook, where people get on Facebook and air out all their dirty laundry, air out the preacher, air out the church, and they get on there and they spread that junk. That's what we fight today. The same devil, different method. Paul here is saying this same devil that was in the jail cell, now he's hitting me a different way, but he's still there. And Paul says there's a lot of stuff I got to do to keep myself under control because the devil keeps coming at me from every angle. Paul says, I know me. That's why I've got to do some stuff because I know me. I know who I am. Listen to me this morning. You can walk around loose in your loafers if you want to, but I promise you the devil will have you back out in the world in a matter of minutes. Notice with me this morning, real quickly, Paul said, after I preached unto you, that I may, might not. 
God can use you and you still be a castaway. Paul said, after I preached, Paul is comparing the journey to the person that runs a race. He says that in Rome, races uh, that everybody runs for a crown. They run to win. They train to win. They play to win. They get a crown. But Paul wants us to know that we run from, uh, for an incorruptible crown, but we still are running a race. And Paul says uh, that I have to beat my flesh up uh, that I can keep under control so that I don't forfeit my crown even after I've preached unto you, even after I've visited you, even after I've done all these good works. Uh, listen to me this morning, church. You can come to church. You can sit under good preaching. You can sit under good teaching, sound doctrine, tithe, be a teacher, be the pastor, sing in the choir, Join the church. Go to every meeting possible. Kiss babies on the forehead. In Jesus' name, you can heal the sick, raise the dead, cure diseases. And at the end of your journey, God can still look at you and say you are disqualified. You can wear a cross and not bear the cross. You can come to church, know all the songs, open your Bible, take notes, walk out to your car with a Jesus fish bumper sticker on it, say grace over the dinner, but that does not necessarily mean that God is pleased with what you are doing. Preacher, that don't make no sense. I'm glad you said that because I want to prove it to you. Look down in verse chapter number 10. Verse number 1. Moreover, and brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Did you understand what he said right there? He said, boy, they went to church uh, and they got some spiritual food uh, and they did a lot of stuff. Uh, but boy, they were still out there in the wilderness. Uh, and when God looked down upon them, he saw what they had done. But he was still somewhat displeased with the things going on in their life. He said, and because of that, they were left out in the wilderness. I didn't say that. God did. God said, I can use you and you still be a castaway. God can bless you and you still be a castaway. Preacher, you prove that. He said you was under a cloud in the wilderness. That cloud is God's provision. That cloud shaded them when it got too hot. And that cloud, it covered them when it got too cold. That cloud was God providing for them. And the Bible said, uh, right here, Paul said, guess what? Uh, God can bless you and you still, at the end of your race, not be where you need to be. He said, God can provide for you and you still be a castaway. He said, I gave you spiritual meat. I gave you the good stuff that you could get strength from, but yet you were still a castaway. Paul is terribly concerned with this. And if it concerned a man... 
who's done so much for God. Boy, if it don't concern you and me, then we are in worse shape than I thought we was. Because Paul is tore up about this disqualification. Paul is tore up about it. That the end of his race, God's not going to be pleased with him. He's tore up. But you and I, we come to church and we don't even act like we care. But Paul's tore up. He's tore up. How do I know that I'm in danger of being a castaway? How do I know that if I'm in danger of being a castaway? I'm going to tell you real quickly. Number one, if you're taking notes, how do I know? First off, your relationship with Jesus becomes one of convenience without no commitment. Well, we love convenience. We love convenience. Preacher, what do you mean? Convenience will make you pay six and a half dollars for a half a gallon of milk because it's at a convenience store. Convenience will have you stopping and buying a Coca-Cola for two dollars for a 20 ounce because it's cold already. Convenience will have you doing things that's going to cost you something a whole lot longer in the long run, but bless God, it's convenient. Hey, that's why convenience stores are on every corner. Because when it's 9 o'clock at night and you don't want to go to Walmart and you don't want to go to the grocery store because you know there's going to be a line and you know the store you're going to have to get out. It's big. You're going to have to hunt it. But but uh, you know that the convenience store has got it on the shelf. You'll run into the convenience store and get it because it is convenient. Preacher, what does that got to do with anything? We love it. We love it. That's why we eat fast food. Because we know it ain't good for us. We know it ain't real meat. We can look at it. We can leave it on the counter for four or five weeks and the thing looks the same. We know that junk ain't real. We know that it's killing us. We know that it's, boy, it's just got chemicals in it that causes cancer in California. We know other countries won't even allow high fructose corn syrup in their country but we will bless God. Why? Because it's convenient. And we love that convenience. Watch this now. A lot of us have made our relationship with Jesus convenient. We don't mind Jesus once a week on Sunday. We don't mind making some minor changes in our lives. But understand me this morning. Jesus wants to turn your life upside down. We want him to do a little touch up. We think we need a little. But Jesus is thinking that you and I need a complete renovation. We come on Sunday wanting a little tune up. But Jesus said, honey, you need a complete overhaul. We think just a little makeup is going to make us all right. But Jesus is thinking more like we need a makeover. We take a little decorating. is required. But Jesus says, no, honey, you need a complete remodeling. Jesus did not come to this earth, folks. So that you and I would be a better, well-behaved person. 
He did not come to tweak our personalities. He did not come to give us manners and smooth out our rough spots. He wants to totally transform you from being something that is disqualified in the eyes of God to something that God looks down on and says, Bless God, that's my youngin." He didn't come to change me. The Bible said he come to kill me. And when I quit fighting for the controls of my life, when I surrender everything to him, when I die to myself and decide I'm going to live for him, I will find life and find the truth inside of it. We have made God's grace into something that is cheap. Everybody wants it because everybody says it's easy. But nobody wants to be committed to the things that it takes. But boy, we think God's grace is just convenient. It's convenient to pray now I lay me down to sleep, bless God. It's convenient to do those things, but it has no commitment to it. How do I know if I'm in danger, preacher? When I look inside of my life, I see me serving God when it's convenient to me, but I'm not committed to it. I find myself, (laughs) God help me, I find myself witnessing the people when it's convenient for me. I find myself visiting people when it's convenient for me. I find my I find myself teaching when it's convenient for me. I find myself doing things that need to get done when it's convenient to me. But bless God, I'm not going to be too committed to it because huh, huh, I got to do things in my life too. Uh, good. Uh, when I find and look inside of my life. And the only time I'm serving God is when it's convenient to me. I'm in danger of being a castaway. I'm in danger of it. when our praise and our worship and our devotion become just a habit we are in danger of being a castaway you say preacher I thought that was a good habit to have oh it's a good habit to have but when it becomes just a routine habit, you're in danger. Watch this. You ever just got in the habit of going to church? You just got in the habit. It's Sunday. This is what we do on Sunday. I go to church on Sunday. Almost like a robot. It's pretty routine. It's a habit. I go to church on Sunday. It's what I do. Watch this. God is not interested in robots. If he wanted a robot, he would have created robots. He would not have given you a choice. He would not have given me a choice. He would have created a bunch of robots that done exactly what he wanted them to do when he wanted them to do it because that's what robots do. How do I know 
that I'm in a rut, that I'm in a routine, that I'm in a habit. Watch this. When your praise and worship and devotion have no more excitement in them, let me go ahead and tell you, honey, you in danger. You're a robot. You're still doing it. But there ain't a bit of excitement in doing it. I mean, you lift your hand every now and then, oh, praise God. Hey, hey, but, but there is no excitement in it. When you're in that devotional closet and you're just reading the word, trying to read a year, whatever, and just trying to get through it, almost like trying to eat peas and you don't like peas, you just... When your devotional life becomes uh, to where it's just habit and it's routine. But boy, you ain't getting blessed. There ain't no excitement in it. You ain't getting fed. You ain't getting help when you're in the worship service. And there ain't no excitement in it. When there's a song playing and you ain't letting God get inside of that heart. Boy, you are in danger. Ain't no excitement. I'm in a routine. I go to church on Sunday. Say, preacher, why are you preaching so hard on us today? Because I can find myself in a routine. I can go to the hospital a hundred times and visit you at a routine and not just go because that's my job. But there ain't no love behind it. If I ain't there because I want to be there, I can stand up here and preach to you, and I can, I can preach what you want to hear. I can preach some good ones. I can climb on pews. I know when you, you like it when I do that. I can climb on pews, and I can clap, and I can run, because I know it gets you excited. But if there ain't no love and no care behind it, it ain't no good. Understand it's the same thing if we're not excited about what God is doing. We are in danger. When I don't have no more desire, I'm in danger. When I come to worship and ain't no desire in me to worship, boy, I'm in danger. I'm in danger. I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm in danger when the desire is gone. I come to church because I don't want the preacher to call me. But bless God, I don't want to be there. You're in danger. When I don't let the Spirit flow through me, I'm in danger. When I don't let the Spirit flow through me, when I don't let the song get inside my heart, when I don't let the testimony of how good God's been to me come out, boy, I am in danger of being a castaway. Understand, church, there is over 200 verses that deal with the word praise. There's another couple of hundred that deal with the word worship. And that's not even counting the ones that say things like this. Uh, uh, sing us uh, 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 about singing and clapping and lifting of the hands. Uh, boy, uh, Psalm 147 and 1 says, Praise the Lord for it's good to sing praises unto God. But when I, when I quit doing that and when I quit allowing God to do that in me, when my praise and my worship and my devotion have no oomph behind it, I am in danger. I was talking to a pastor. I wasn't talking to him. I was listening to him. This is what he said. God, it blessed me because me and him think alike. This is what he said. He was talking about praise. He was talking about praising God. He was talking about worship. 
And he was talking about the problems with most churches today. He said, we limit our praise to about 15 minutes. You know what I mean, two or three songs. We, 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 we limit our praise to about 15. All right, it's 11.15. Announcements are done. Anna, you got about five minutes to sing a song. Scott, you got about five minutes. Dot, you got about five minutes to sing a song. 11.30, I got to be up there. Because 12 o'clock, we ain't going to make it today, I'm going to tell you. 12 o'clock, we got to be out of here. Because 12.15, I got to be sitting down at the restaurant. 1 o'clock, I got to be spread out in my bed. Because 5 o'clock, I got to get back up where I can be back in here at 6 o'clock so that I can do the same thing again. <laughs> he said, "We, you know it's truth. We limit our... He's under God about 15 minutes. God, that's all you get. Because I got to do it all over again. And I got to get home so I can do it all over again. I love what he said. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. He said, this is, he said, that's why when you come here, talking about his church, <laughs> He said, from 11 o'clock to 12 or 12.30, we're going to praise God. <laughs> he said, from 11 to 12 or 12.30, I ain't getting up. From 11 to 12 or 12.30, we're going to worship. From 11 to 12.30, I don't care if we sing the same songs 15 times. If God's moving and God's people are excited and we got praised, we're going to praise God. Hallelujah. Can I say this morning, we are in a rut of putting God in a place where he only gets 15 minutes. And then he said, at 6 o'clock, we're going to come back. And we may just pray it out. We may sing it out. We may preach it out. He said, but bless God, we're going to give God his time. Mm, can I say this morning, when our praise and our worship and our devotion becomes a place of where I got to go, I got to get it out, we got to run, I got to go here, I got to go. Mm, when we can't give God the time that he needs to move, and when we're ready to go, as soon as we get here, bless God, we are in danger. We're in danger. I would rather have a day. I'm, I'm moving on because I know you get. I, I would rather have a day to where I can come to church on Sunday morning and not leave this place till 3 o'clock and not come back the night if I could just get inside the presence of God for two hours. Amen. I'd much rather just get inside of his presence. Quit worrying about a timetable if I'm going to be there. Bless God. Just get me inside of God's presence. I'm going to praise him. And then that old, that old preacher said... He said, when all the praise is over, he said, then I'm going to get up and preach because the praise is what fills my gas tank up. Can I say to you this morning, praise will fill your gas tank up. It'll help you when nothing else will, boy. Sometimes I get depressed and sometimes I, I look around and boy, I just want to, but boy, God begins to stir inside of me, boy, and it helps me. I'm in danger when it becomes routine.
I'm in danger with my praise, my worship, my devotion. It becomes just a habit, just a routine, just something I'm going through. I just want to have church. Somebody say amen. Don't make me preach like I'm preaching to nobody this morning. I'm going to skip some because it's 10 after. How, how can I be safe from being a castaway? And this, this, this is all what Paul's talking about. Understand me. This is what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about, I can, I can preach unto you and, and not have no love, no care, no, no nothing behind it. When, when I get to the end of my race, I can be disqualified. He's not talking about salvation. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's not talking about heaven or hell. He's talking about crowns. If you look in the context, he's talking about crowns. That crowns are the gifts God will give to his saints as they cross the finish line. That's what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about salvation. He is talking about crowns. So how, how, how can I, how can I know that I'm not going to be disqualified? How can I know that I'm not going to be a castaway? How can I know? Three little things, and I'll send you to the house. Number one, very easy. Be determined. Be determined. Be de- Watch this. I'm... This is what determination does. I'm going to Sunday school, come hell or high water. I'm coming to Sunday school. That's determination. I am coming. I don't care if I got to fight. I don't care if I got to crawl. I don't care if I don't feel like it. I don't care if both of my legs hurt. I don't care if I got a headache. I don't. Bless God, I am determined that I am going to be in Sunday school. I'm going to root my teacher on. Bless, bless God, I am going to bless the Lord when I get in my worship hour. I am going to praise His name because He's been good to me. I am determined that... Whatever comes my way, God's going to provide me a way over it and I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to be determined. How do I know at the end of the race, God won't look at me and say, hey, you're a castaway. Be determined. Be determined. Sometimes folks don't understand how much time goes into teaching Sunday school. They have no idea. They don't know how much time goes into preparing a message. How much prayer and how many tears and how many times you laid there and you battled with God, not knowing what you're going to say, knowing you're going to have to stand behind the desk and you're going to have to look at everybody in the congregation. You're going to have to have a word to say, boy. And sometimes you're just wondering, God, I have no idea, no clue. You don't know how many times you miss family appointments and family things because you're laying on your face before God and crying out, God, give me something that's going to help some people. You don't know how many times times you're crying out going God I need some help be determined church be determined support your Sunday school teacher support your worship of the Lord you serve be determined I'm going to help my church I'm going to help my church. Watch, watch this is a good one right here. I'm going to help my church. I'm going to help them. I'm going to help build the kingdom of God. I'm going to control myself. And I'm going to like it. 
I'm going to put my body under subjection. In other words, I'm going to put my body under some control in my life that everything else that don't make a hill of beans matter to nothing, I'm going to put it to the side, but I'm going to put under control building the kingdom of God. I'm going to be determined. Number two, be dedicated. I'm trying to help you this morning. I ain't trying to preach at you. Be dedicated. Be dedicated. Dedication. 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 I'm going to be dedicated. be determined that dedication is being committed it's being it's being faithful Paul said I have to I have to be faithful to the things that I've preached or when when I preach them to then then I find myself a castaway in other words, Paul's talking about preaching and, 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 and him not doing it. That's, that's, that's what he's talking about. Be dedicated. So at the end of your race, God don't look at you and just say you're disqualified. Number three, and I'll have you out of here. Be deliberate. Deliberate in your actions. Be deliberate. In the actions. I'm going to do it because God said to do it. And I'm going to like doing it because I love God. Not because I want to impress Susie so so. Not because I want to impress him or her not because the preacher said so. I'm going to do it because my God said to do it. And bless God, because my God said to do it, I'm going to be determined. I'm going to be deliberate. I'm going to be dedicated. And I'm going to do it all in the love of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it because I love God. As we close, they get us a song ready. Let me ask you this morning. Have you ever thought about this at all? that a man like Paul that did so much for God said that there's some things I got to do to keep myself from being a castaway. That I got to put my body under subjection. I got to crucify my flesh because at the end of the day there's times that I don't want to be dedicated and there's times I don't want to be determined there's times I don't want to be faithful there's times I don't want to do this and there's times I don't want to do that there's times I don't want to worship there's times I don't want to praise there's times I don't want to go to church there's times I don't want to talk to you there's times you don't want to talk to me there's times that I just want to sit around and do nothing there's times that I just want to go on to the house today preacher let me go there's times that I just have you ever thought about it? Paul said, I have to do some things in my life to keep all that under control. I got to do some things in my life. See, I look out today and boy, we need to we need to have a spiritual checkup. Because I'm gonna be honest with you. When God God usually hits me first and tells you go get them. I said, God's already done some work in me. I can get comfortable 
in being the pastor. I can be comfortable in doing it. I can get comfortable doing it. It can be convenient for me. And my prayer life can change. My worship life can change. I can allow things to not move me anymore. I can sit on this pew right here and look at the singers like I get looked at sometimes. Yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know. Because the Bible told me so. Heard all this before, preacher. I can look at Scott and say, Scott, heard all this before. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I've heard all this before. Oh, boy, I can internalize that thing and find out just what it really means to say joy to the Lord. The Lord has come. That I don't got to die and go to hell. Joy to the Lord. And I don't want it to happen to you. I don't want you to get to the end of your journey and God look down on you and say, yeah, you're saved by the blood, but boy, I'm displeased in you. Good heavens. I don't want God to look at me and say, boy, yeah, I'm going to let you in because you're saved by my blood, but I'm telling you what. I'm dissatisfied in the way you gave me praise. You gave me praise. You gave little Johnny who hit the ball more praise than I than you gave me, and I saved your sorry soul. Are you in danger this morning of being cast away? If you are, make a decision today. You're going to be determined. You're going to be dedicated and you're going to be deliberate. I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to serve my God. And I'm not going to let no root get me out of the place I need to be with God. You stand this morning. <clears throat> every head bowed, every eye closed, I know. all across this building let me ask you a question has church just become a habit to you is it routine or do you still feel the fire and the excitement of coming to the house of God singing the praises of God learning feeling his presence getting it moved by the Holy Spirit of God. Just letting God fill your heart to where sometimes He squeezes and tears begin to flow. Sometimes He squeezes and a shout of praise comes out. Sometimes He squeezes and you feel like you just got to get up and take a lap. Sometimes He squeezes and you just lay out on the floor and kick and scream. we become satisfied with the rut. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling like you may hit disqualification when you get to the finish line. Let me say this. The fastest way to be disqualified is to never have been saved. Because at the end of your life, Jesus will look at you and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. One salvation, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. But listen here, Christian, you can get to the end of your life and God say, you've disqualified yourself from the crown. I hope that's not you. If it is, I hope you'll do something about it. Father, Lord in heaven, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning. Paul's, uh, if I've looked at Paul's life this week and 
studied and prayed and God, I know you gave me this message deliberately. And God, I've preached my very heart out. Can't say no more. In the context of your passage, God, Lord, there's just some things in my life that I need to get right that I might not be a castaway. Paul said, I got to put my body under subjection. I pray today, God, that you speak to every heart in this place. Oh, God, that we would get our worship and praise and excitement back. Not because of me or because of who's singing but because of the God that you are. Because you saved me, you loved me, you cared for me. God, may I never forget where I was when you found me. May I quit putting all the world before you. May I quit using your grace as convenience. May I quit serving you when it's convenient for me to serve you. May everything else go on the back burner and God, you become the first thing in my life. Help me, dear God. Move in this church today. Change somebody's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You come this morning. These altars, they're open. such a good God. And boy, sometimes I just look down at my own life and I say, God, I don't deserve it. just a great burden this morning I, 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 I can't explain it but there's a burden for this castaway thing and I, I can't get it out somehow or some way we forgot about the goodness of God. Somehow, some way we forgot that when we were unlovable, God still loved us. That when we were dead in trespasses and sins God looked down and said I'm going to make a way for him I'm going to make a way for her and somewhere down the line we just started 
using God's grace as convenience for us. Like I'm just going to serve God when I feel like it. I'm going to minister to people when I feel like it. I know my neighbor's dying and going to hell. He's going to bust it wide open. But I'll minister to him when I feel like it. Boy, there's a burden in my heart. gets to the end of your life don't be a castaway don't walk away with that guilt and that feeling that's your decision to make a decision I'm going to do all I can do for the glory of God that when I get let me tell you something Spartanburg Regional ain't going to be there when you die they ain't going to care. They're going to replace you just like that. They're going to say, yeah, well, she's dead. Time for me to put somebody else in her place. But God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. At the end of this thing called life, I'm going to be there with you. Thank you so much. Brother Arthur, if you would.